you are listening to Judging Book Covers Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Griffin, and today I am joined by my first two guest hosts. But before I introduce them, I am sure you are wondering what the heck this podcast is about. Well, I am a big reader, but I also tend to pigeonhole myself into certain genres. So instead of joining a bunch of different book clubs, I decided to start a bi-weekly podcast in which I bring on two guests and have them pick a book for each other to read. And then we discuss it. So my first two guests this week are Tim Lowe and Joe Schulman. Am I pronouncing your last name right? Yes. Okay. Joe picked the first book. So this week we read Master and Commander. And uh, Joe, why'd you pick this book? So I saw the movie first, actually. Um, It had been recommended to me and I really enjoyed it. And in college, I ended up reading a series of essays that won some awards by a guy who wrote about the author of this book, Patrick O'Brien, and how accurate they are and, and the world building and how impressive it is. And it reminded me of that when I saw the movie, so I thought, well, I'll try the book. And I got, dove into the book, and that was pretty much it. I've read a number of them. There's 21 books in the series, and I've enjoyed all of them. Just the uh, the world building and the characters, everything about them is a lot of fun. So have you read all 21 now? No, I'm in book nine, I think. They're a slow read for sure. <laughs> They're definitely a slow read and definitely not my cup of tea. Tim, how about you? Is uh, your normal I, kind of book? Uh, What's your no, normal? not at all. <laughs> um, I definitely tend to lean more towards, I guess, what you would call nerdy books. Uh, what do you mean by that? Sci-fi, sort of that type of thing. Not not historical boat dramas, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I think for lack of a better terminology, historical Navy book, naval book. Yeah, that's probably be best. a little bit more professional sounding than historical <laughs> book. Yeah, I pretty much called it everything but that. Yeah, this was also definitely not one I normally read. I tend to avoid anything involving water because uh, I have a great fear of it. So thank you for picking a book where if anybody drowned, I did not catch it. So I truly appreciate that. Well, for the record, I didn't know about the water fear nope, thing. Nope. So that <laughs> That's okay. Uh, maybe changed my selection. But I didn't want you to change it. It was a great first book to start with. Um, Tim, so the purpose of this podcast is to take a book and before reading it, kind of judge it by the cover, as the title suggests. So before even starting this, what were you expecting from this book? A very slow, very boring book. <laughs> That felt like it would have been required in 10th grade literature class. Yeah, I kept having flashbacks to um, Lords of Discipline, which is another historical, I guess, army. I don't remember if it was army, but I had to read it for school. And I definitely had reminders of that. But, you know, that book's, I don't know if either of you have read it. It starts out really slow, but it's also one of my favorite books. Um, So definitely got the same kind of vibe. Uh, I think we can all agree we knew it was about a boat. Have you seen the movie, Tim? No, I have not. Although we're planning on watching it soon. Very cool. Yeah, I've looked into it a little bit. I've obviously not seen the movie, despite being a big Paul Bettany fan. But uh, um, yeah, I'm guessing there's a lot more storms and water and waves in the movie. Um, So definitely not one I'm going to see. And it sounds like Russell Crowe keeps occasionally fighting for a sequel. But uh, it sounds like the first one did really well. So. Yeah, and the first the movie actually is a combination of three of the books. It's Master and Commander, Far Side of the World, and parts of a couple of the other books. 
Okay, so it's not necessarily the first three books. It's kind of a combination of a few. Yeah, the the ship in the movie is the surprise, and I don't think he gets on the surprise until the third or fourth book in the series. Okay. Um, so how much of the first book is in the movie? So the... I think a good portion of it is um, the tenth book, um, Far Side of the World. They use just a few scenes from this book because... Uh, Paul Bettany's character, uh, Dr. Maturin, is sort of the foil and of the audience, right? And so they use him a lot to explain some of the stuff in the movie, same way they do in this first book. Yes, they definitely, uh, that was beneficial and also a bit of a slow read to learn all about being on a boat uh, through his eyes. But at the same time, I was cracking up. Um, you know, what's interesting about the book, and I was telling Tim this, for the amount of knowledge and information that comes out of this book, the author wasn't alive during that time. He's just passed away a few years ago. And when I first read it, I thought he must have been alive in that time, given the amount of detail that he puts in. Yeah, I definitely was surprised to find out he was from the 20th century. Uh, Definitely thought he was from this time period as well. So I'm going to give a really quick plot summary, um, kind of summarize a little bit of the Wikipedia plot because it's going to be better than my own. Um, if you have not read this book and you want to kind of listen or in, join in the discussion, uh, go ahead and hit pause and come back after you've read it. Um, this book takes place in the 1800s. Uh, the main character is Jack Aubrey, who is a shipless l- lieutenant um, at a musical performance and gets elbowed by this guy. Uh, who turns out to be Stephen Maturin, who is an Irish Catalan physician. And uh, they kind of get into a tiff and anticipate that the next morning they're going to get into a duel. But instead, Jack goes back to his uh, room and finds out he's been promoted to the rank of commander, which we'll get into in a minute, but he's called captain the entire time. But there is a clear difference from what he actually is. Um, but he has been made commander of the ship, uh, the Sophie. So the next morning when he meets up with the doctor, uh, Stephen Matron, he, instead of going into a duel, invites him to breakfast. And over breakfast, they realize they have a shared love of music and that learns that he is a, a surgeon. I'm sorry, he's a physician and asks him to come aboard to be the naval surgeon, which is a little bit below his pay grade. You know, despite not being a Navy man, he agrees. Um, The Sophie is sent to accompany a small convoy of merchant ships in the Mediterranean. Uh, Aubrey takes the opportunity to get to know his sailors and work them into a fighting aid with the aid of his new first lieutenant, James Dillon, who is a wealthy and aristocratic Irishman. Uh, We find out that Dillon and Matron have met earlier, something that they neglect to mention to their captain, Uh, as they were both members of the United Irishmen, a society dedicated to the Irish home rule and Catholic emancipation. Dylan suffers a crisis of conscience when ordered to intercept an American ship thought to be harboring Irish rebels, and he works to help them avoid capture. Uh, After this, there is a good bit of discussion where Jack Aubrey and James Dylan. uh, don't see eye to eye. They both kind of think 
each other. They they hate each other, and Stephen Maturin is caught in the middle. Eventually, they get caught fighting a ship that now I'm not even going to try to pronounce, but it is a Spanish ship, and it is a 32-gun ship. And so, despite losing crew and eventually James Dillon, they somehow come out on top. And this victory usually is met with a wonderful promotion, but it comes out that he Aubrey is not given uh, the title because he has been having an affair with his superior's wife. Uh, after this, they go on escort duty, and the Sophie is captured by a squadron of French warships. Uh, but the captain is courteous. He tells Aubrey of his cousins and Bath and feeds him well. Because of this, they miss their other duties and end up, Aubrey ends up being court-martialed, though he is handed back his sword at the end of the book. And it is very clearly the beginning of a series as it doesn't have a very big ending. So uh, did I miss anything, guys? No, I think that pretty much sums it up. <laughs> I think you missed a lot of the uh, the, the battles that the, the yeah. books are known for. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I felt like every time I turned the page, I was suddenly in the middle of a battle and I had no idea when or how we got into that. That's <laughs> um, a good way to, to describe that. <laughs> I think actually I uh, ended up texting Tim which, uh, towards the beginning of the book and was like, okay, I think I'm missing a chapter because we're suddenly in a big battle and and we were eating dinner two minutes ago. So um, you're right. I did forget a bunch of the battles. Um he does transition um, very quickly, pretty much without any transition. Yes. Uh, and that was jarring the first time I read the book, and I thought, this is maybe a me problem. And then as I read more of the books, I realized that that's just how he writes. There's no transition to a next scene. It just sort of starts, and you better hold on. So how many times have you read this book? So I've read this one twice now. And okay. I'm probably going to go back and read some of the other ones. And you mentioned the ending. They really do just sort of end and get ready for the next one. Uh, there's some where they have uh, end up on an island and you keep thinking, well, maybe they're going to remedy this and find out what happens. And nope, the book ends and you got to grab the next one to sort of see what happens. They're very oh, so episodic. Very good about the cliffhangers, which it's good to hear because I think a lot of authors have that nowadays. And I thought it was a very now kind of thing to build you know, anticipation anticipation for the book that's coming out next year. And apparently it's not. Apparently this is something that authors have always done. Uh, so, Tim, what'd you think? When I first started reading it, I thought that I'd pretty much made the correct assessment of the book. <laughs> um, there was the one point where I guess it was the master started going through all the naval terms, <laughs> like very, very quickly. I was like, oh, goodness, I don't, I, this is not helping me any. I still don't know what any of this is, but yeah. <laughs> There's uh, by not the a end test, it, don't worry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but by the end of it, I found myself really interested in the relationship between Aubrey and Maturin. So much so that I really want to read the next book to see how it continues. I, I kept thinking that Dylan character was going to go a different route. Like, I, you know, it, it yeah. kind of surprised me how that turned out, but. Yeah, I actually, um, I kind of took some notes as I was reading through it. Um, and so 
I really thought all the characters were going to go a different route. I had yeah. no idea yeah. where this book was going. I expected there to be a big Irish upheaval on the yeah. ship and take yeah. the ship, and it's... then suddenly Dylan's dead. Yeah, it felt like they were so... building towards that the whole time, and it just never went that direction. Yeah, there really was no outcome of the uh, the whatever was bothering Dylan so much. Yeah. Um, so. And that sort of comes on through a lot of the other books where you think it's going because you've read enough books or seen enough movies you go okay I see where this is going to happen and how it's going to play out and either it doesn't goes a completely different direction or just sort of not necessarily fizzles out but wraps up in a way that's a little cleaner than you expect and a lot of the characters that are smaller you really get to know them over the series um Killick the guy in the kitchen has an okay is a great um, character and he's just a lot of fun and always sort of grumpy and grouchy and you get that and Aubrey Maturin are really considered two of the great sort of friendships in literature if you read a lot of those type of things you find out that it'd be, they're pretty famous just the way they've come about and when you watch the movie if you see the movie first because again it's not taken too much from the book it's not one of those situations you realize that Russell Crowe and, and um, Bettany are just perfect for the roles because in the book, uh, Aubrey is this giant of a guy, uh, sort of <laughs> oafish, but very smart um, and, and quick-witted, but not always uh, accurate with his quick wits, I guess. <laughs> and and Maturin is sort of this uh, super skinny, pale guy, which uh, Paul Bettany, uh, I don't mean to knock that him. that he is. <laughs> given that I may not be allowed back on the podcast, but he very much looks like uh, Stephen from the book. I got super excited when I heard about that casting, because I, I didn't know anything about the movie. I, I never got around to see it, but when I when I heard who was playing these two roles, I was about three quarters of the way through the book, and I was just, oh, that's amazing. I really want to watch yeah, that it, now. It sounds like it was very well casted. I, I barely remember the movie coming out. It was, what, early 2000s? Probably. Um, I remember actually looking it up. It went up for a lot of Oscars, and it was during the Lord of the Rings time period, so... Okay. That's probably why it never made it onto my radar, you know, adding in the boat. And I probably equated it with Waterworld or something like that. You know, very much not my cup of tea. And um, I think the books is a, and the movie are kind of a hard sell because they aren't, there, there's nothing sort of you see normally. You know, it's, it's ships from the 1800s, uh, nothing that people really get excited about. But when you start <laughs> getting into them, you're like, oh, no, this is a lot of fun and you learn a little bit, but it's also an exciting adventure type of story. You'd think people would be a little more excited once you get started. Well, actually, you know, you say that. Um, I So I use Goodreads. I don't know if either of you use that, but that is basically the only way I can keep up with anything I read. And if you look at the Goodreads page for this book, it shows that it came out in 1990 because that's, I guess, the most recent edition. And in my mind, that's when this book came out. And until I started actually doing a little bit of research into it, and it came out in the 60s. And apparently was a huge hit over in the UK and Ireland, and was not in the US at all, until it got re-released in the 90s. So um, I think you're right. It's, it's not something that any of us would ever think, this is what I want, this is what I needed in life, until you actually read it. <laughs> um, it is mind-blowing, though. Like, I just assumed this book was written in the 1800s. And like I said, I was about three-quarters of the way through before Joe told me, he's like, you know that guy just recently passed? And 
no, what? <laughs> and it, the book yeah. sort of take on a takes on a takes 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 on a whole <laughs> new like value uh, because it is such a tremendous world that's built. You're really taken out of your your world with it. Yeah, I wish I tried really hard not to read anything about the author, anything except for you know see it on Goodreads that it was quote unquote published in 1990, um, but I didn't even know it was written by a guy until probably three sentences into the book he starts talking about boobs and was like okay i know who wrote this <laughs> with gender um but yeah apparently he died in somewhere in the 2000s if not 2000 yeah. and was in the middle of the 21st book yeah, so he i was, was looking at that today and it's not finished you can buy it and it's got his notes from what i understand he hand wrote everything and then his wife would type it up for him that is amazing yeah, like this was his life. He, I read a few quotes where he talked about um, this is, you know, he wanted to tell the story. The story had to get out and he had to finish it before he go, he went. And it is a little unfortunate that, you know, he didn't, but we at least have something uh, to read. Or, and hopefully, I, none of us have finished the series, but hopefully it does kind of have enough res- resolution to keep the fans happy. Um but yeah, 21 books. I could not tell you a series. I think the longest series I've read is the True Blood series, and that's 13 books. And they're not this in-depth at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was... I, I wish I, I... My comments, I've got my comments down here from when I started it, and I was really kind of hoping, like, taking sentences as I read it, because I had no idea what this was about. So at one point, I thought it was going to be a murder mystery. Um, because Stephen Merchant talks about how he misses the bone under his saw. <laughs> and, and, you know, I was talking to a friend who was like, he's a doctor. Like, that's what, and I'm like, I've got doctor friends. None of them, even no matter how long they've been doing it, if they came up to me and was like, I just really miss bone being under my instruments. And he's like, nope, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to call other friends and talk about what's going on with you. Um, and then for a while... I really thought Aubrey and Merchant had a thing um, until I, it became very clear, um, which I think it is from the beginning that he is uh, having an affair with Molly Hart, yeah. but you kind of forget about it while they're out on sea and their quick wit is great flirtatious nature, which I think is just how men were back then with each other. But uh, definitely a few lines in there that I was like, oh, I got to remember that. Um, yeah, the dialogue transports you as much of the detail of the ships and everything else. And you, they talk and like, man, I wish I was cool that I could talk like that. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I, I, as I sit here and start over my words, I wish I was that quick-witted and able to make poetry with my words like these guys can. Um, but I just, I found Stephen hilarious. He was my favorite character. Um, I didn't find Aubrey to be as intelligent as apparently he is. Um, but I think that's... I think he's got a, you know, the naval mind. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. And that's probably why I was like... That he is very one-tracked. He's a great captain. That's for sure. But it it is very much, this is what he does and this is what he's good at. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. My uh, dad had introduced me to the movie. And he's been... And a lot of corporations and pretty high up and always had people working for him and has always been a manager or a VP or something like that. 
And his takeaway from the movie and the series was that Aubrey is a great boss and manager. The way he handles all these different personalities, uh, the goals and the missions, uh, the obstacles. You know, you see him as a friend to the people, but also somebody who can lay down the law necessary and will get the job done, whatever that is. Definitely, and he does. He proves it time and time and again. Um, who knows how the rest of the books go? I mean, I guess Joe knows a little bit. But uh, if they can make it 21 books, and I think it's, what, 21 books over 16 years is kind of the timeline. Yeah, it's, uh, I think so, that sounds right. Um, yeah, I found myself liking Aubrey by the end of the book, but I really didn't at the beginning. And I, I really just, I, I thought that this would be sort of mature in story for me. And, and that's how it would go. But, uh, yeah, by the end of it, you, you really grow to... It, it, he becomes a full person, as you see some of the comments that he makes, some of the dialogue that he makes, the things that he's good at, the things that he's mm-hmm. not necessarily knowledgeable in. But, yeah, it, it, now, it works pretty well. Correct me if I'm wrong. There's a couple of times where they're at parties and dinners. Mm-hmm. Did he make a fool out of himself? Or oh, was yeah. someone making else a fool? Because I know... I think oh. Steven got pulled aside a few times to be like, get him out of here. Yeah. Go. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that was because of how he was acting at the at that one party. Was it was it Molly who, who I, said that? It was like, get him out of here. I think so. Uh, it was definitely a woman that was like, yeah. get him out. Get him out. Yep. Yeah, you see that he's at home on the ships, you know, when he's at sea uh, around his yes. around his people. He, he knows how to act and is... Uh, He's, he's comfortable there, and so on land, he's not. In the later books, they spend probably about 30% of the books on land, which I was a little surprised at, and it's a little unnerving at first. Like, let's get back out there and, you know, fire some cannons, but <laughs> it takes a lot. It shows more of their, their life when you see them on land. And then uh, Stephen, actually, a lot of the books, they'll split, and you'll see a lot more of him. Um, he okay. he's sort of a secret agent, a spy for um, England and some other groups, and you'll find out more about that as it goes on. So my vibe is correct. Like he is a weird dude. There is something else to him. If <laughs> I'm sorry, now I'm just thinking James Bond in the 1800s. Not nearly so. as uh, cool as James Bond, probably. And it was a lot about transfer uh, transferring information, uh, gathering information. And, and bring it back, whether they would uh, land on different uh, islands or in countries very quickly, and he'd go off and sort of wander through the villages and bring the information back. Uh, but that becomes a good chunk of the books, is his life and his side life as much as their life at sea. Interesting. So there, there is a scene in the book where they're running out of fresh water, and he suddenly remembers a spring on some land and decides that he needs to go take some time on his own was that him spying or is it what jack thought that he was you know meeting up with a lady friend does that that, ever explain i think it's in the second book Uh, it's been a few years since i've read it but i believe that it does come back and it is part of his uh spying background okay okay well now i like steven even more especially (laughs) paul bettany's playing him uh well, great. Well, Tim, despite it being more like you thought it was going to be, did you enjoy the book? Oh, I did. I did. Um, it would have definitely helped to have an English to boat translation guide. 
because uh, there was long stretches, especially earlier in the book, where it was just like, I, I'm not going to make it through this. I don't know. <laughs> like, it's hard to envision what they're talking about when you don't know right. the different parts of the boat, because it is very specific about it. But I, I think you can sort of develop past that, and, and, and just the way the characters interact, you can sort of imagine, like, the, the, where they necessarily are standing on the boat isn't super important to the story mm-hmm. or, or what particular items they're using, but the interactions between the characters. I, like, I really want to see how the relationship continues. Right, yeah, I, I agree. I don't know if I will continue the story because uh, it is really outside of my wheelhouse, <laughs> but uh, I did enjoy kind of digging in to see where the series goes, and that was interesting on a you know 4,000-foot level. 40,000 foot? 40,000 feet. But yeah, it was, like like you guys have said, you know, it put us in the 1800s. It put us on a boat. And it also didn't fake anything. You know, they weren't drunk all the time. Some of them were. Yeah. But they, they usually got whipped. very clear. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got punished if you did stupid stuff. Um, and then it turns out James Dillon is just like a raging alcoholic. Um, probably because he's not dealing with something that we never find out. <laughs> but yeah. So what did you guys think of Stephen and James Dillon's uh, relationship? Any thoughts? It, <laughs> I like the way it was sort of conflicted. And again, it goes back to what we're so used to in movies and TV, uh, where you see sort of both sides and you know, they're going to come together. And it's probably going to be this big clash and uh, it, they really work through stuff. And, and there's a lot more communication, I think, than you would get in this had been a Hollywood movie. You know, you'd see their both sides and they're sort of looking at each other across the table, getting ready to fight because they're on these opposite sides or something along those lines. But the book develops that relationship differently. So the Dylan character was the hardest character for me because I just, I, it, I, I sort of projected what he was going to do and how he was going to interact through the whole story. (laughs) And I was wrong with everybody. So I I don't know that I ever got a good read on why he was doing what he was doing. You know, it it just never played out the way that I thought it was going to. So you could definitely use a little bit of a reread, maybe not immediately, but to develop his character. Um, Yeah, going back to what Joe said, just to kind of... This, this book jumps around character to character. There is no set. I, get, I mean, Jack Aubrey is the main character and Stephen Merchant... Mer- yeah, I'm not even going to try his last name. Uh, is clearly the secondary character. Um, eventually, I guess they be kind of become a team main character. But you do jump from character to character. All these little ones, too. I mean, the cook, the you know, random guys on the ship. Um, there was actually a lot of talk of the black guys on the ship, which I found fascinating and also kind of horrific because at one point they were talking about slave ships and I had no idea where that was going to go, but it is as offensive as you would find it to be for the 1800s. So, um, and going to that point when they were talking about the Irish, um, it's about midway through the book before uh, Aubrey knows about Dylan or in his complete background, he's talking about these different things and the stereotypes and 
he's just ripping into yes. to Papist, and then he's realized that James is one, and he sort of apologizes, but he doesn't know how to apologize. <laughs> it was funny because you could tell that felt real for that time. You know, there's a lot of that racism. Uh, if you weren't a white guy from a certain religion, uh, you might have been looked down on, and and that comes through in a way that doesn't feel icky. It feels sort of you have from the time period, you know. Yeah, it was so matter of fact, and it was just we're going to talk about these people, and this is how they are, you know. It was yeah, you know, dancing around anything or hitting it. But different than a Tarantino movie where right. you hear words <laughs> and it's just dropped constantly, and it it's not comfortable. This was like, right. well, I get where this this sounds real. Like this is how that right. would be. Yeah, it was definitely not played up to add a shock factor it was no. to set the time you're right um so definitely a successful book overall and glad uh, you enjoyed it tim i did um and next week we are going to read your book yes which is infected by scott sigler yeah i think we're covering the spectrum pretty good <laughs> going from master and commander will... to infected i am all for that i am really excited uh, since i don't have a release date for this yet i can't you know say when we're gonna be back for that but uh if you're listening to this two weeks from our release date is when we plan to be back out um so what else are you guys reading right now i just started zone one uh it was a book that was actually recommended to me um when i was in savannah a few months ago i was at a used bookstore which just felt super savannah to be in it was as Savannah a place as I've ever been in. But uh, as I'm walking out, I bought a book to read. He's like, hey, you need to read this one too. And I'm not going to say no to the used bookstore guy in Savannah. So I bought that. That's what I'm working on now. Okay. Just started, so I don't have any kind of <laughs> opinions about it yet. It is, is it a zombie book? It is. Okay. I yeah. figured with the yes. zone one yes. kind of hint, actually everything I can probably turn into a zombie book. Yes. But... uh. In my mind, that's what Infected's about, but we'll talk about that next time. Uh, what about you, Joe? You reading anything? I just picked up Magician's Apprentice. Uh, okay. I'd never read it, and I know there's a large series with that, too, speaking of long series. Um, about a third of the way through it, and really enjoying it so far. It's a nice take on the fantasy genre that feels new enough and original to keep me going. Very cool. They made a movie out of that one too, didn't they? Is that, uh, you know, I think I get it confused with the Nicolas Cage movie. Is that Sorcerer's Apprentice, maybe? That may be what I'm getting it confused with, honestly. Um, <laughs> with, uh, I, not that I haven't seen the movie either. So, <laughs> but I, that book is on my uh, to read list. So I will be curious to hear what you think about it. And uh, I personally, uh, I bounced back into graphic novels because I'm trying to, get up to date on spider gwen um and then after that honestly i don't know what i'm going to read next but i know we could talk about comic books <laughs> yeah what comic books are you guys reading all right well i'm reading uh walking dead right now from a uh, tim let me borrow a few and then spider-man and the new iron man i think is uh the two in, as well as the new wolverine very nice yeah, I debated picking up Old Man Logan until I realized it's nothing like the movie. And uh, that's, it would take me pretty far back. 
into X-Men territory. And I'm just not ready to go there yet. <laughs> I'm reading what about- Green Lantern forever and always. Um, and then anything by Brian K. Vaughn. Uh, Saga and Paper Girls are as good as there is out there right now. So, <laughs> Yeah, about two trades behind on Saga. And the third trade of Paper Girls is in a couple months. I think so. I think it's soon. So, yeah, I'll catch up. Yeah, I just found out that, like, Volume 7 of Saga comes out next week. Oh, I didn't and know that. the last I read was Volume 5. So, uh, uh, It's so good. It's the best story going on <laughs> in any media platform right now. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> But I challenge your opinion. <laughs> Feel free to throw I something better out there. Don't get me wrong. I really enjoy Saga, but I'm also not a space opera kind of person. So. Yeah, I suppose if you're not a space opera person, it's probably not the story for you. Again, still love it. And, and I say that, and yet I will pick up Paper Girls the moment when it comes out. So good. Um, because, and that is probably also somehow considered a space opera, but it may just be a time jumping thing. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for sitting with me uncomfortably in my first episode. That was fun. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Um, do you guys want to plug anything social media wise? Uh, sure. <laughs> I am on Facebook. <laughs> uh, so is everybody else. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Remo Beware. That's pretty much all I got. There's no real reason to follow me. I don't have anything going on. <laughs> but if you want to, I'm there. Get into an argument. Maybe uh, sure. follow him and tell him why Saga is not. Don't follow him and tell him why Saga is not <laughs> the best. I take that back. Please don't ever do that to anybody. Um, Quite a can of worms you'd be opening. <laughs> well, you can uh, find us on iTunes and Stitcher. Um, you can visit our website, which is judgingbookcovers.com. We are on Twitter at JBC Podcast. Also on Facebook at facebook.com slash JBC Podcast. And if you are completely adverse to social media, you can shoot us an email at judgingcoverspodcast at gmail.com. Um, I'm also on Twitter at Meg Griffin, which has three G's in the middle. So what about you, Joe? Want to plug anything? You know, I'm you not really on Twitter to. as much anymore. So <laughs> okay. I'll, uh, maybe I'll re-get back on there soon. <laughs> or if you really want to talk to him, you can just tweet me and I'll make sure he gets the message. There you go. That, that works too. I'm on so. Facebook. That's about pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we are of the Facebook generation, yeah. uh, which is a little sad. I'm no longer young. That's what I'm finding out these days uh, as I try to figure out Snapchat. So, uh Thank you for joining us and uh, find us again in two weeks where we discuss Infected by Scott Sigler. If you want to read along with us, <clears throat> you can find the book. I know it's on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. That's cheap. You can get it cheap. Yeah, it's and they've got it, you know, paperback, hardback and ebook. And it is also uh, told in audiobook format on iTunes. I just double checked it is still on there so you can listen to it if you want as well. And uh, we'll see you again in a few weeks.